helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. was coming and last week it finally started. Last week Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene filed a resolution with articles of impeachment of DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for quote-unquote high crimes and misdemeanors. Earlier this week the House Committee on Homeland Security began marking up the bill. I think it's time we the people take a look at the resolution and decide for ourselves if it has merit. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, teach the rising generation to be free. And I'm glad you could join me today. This should be an interesting uh, episode because I'm going to go through the text of the um, of the re- resolution that uh, Representative Green submitted. And we're going to go through it. It's not that long, but we're going to go through line by line and and look at what's being said and then maybe decide for ourselves what's going on here. And then, of course, we're going to look at the rest of what's going on, especially dealing with the border and with Texas. That's going to be our focus today. And I, I hope to end up with um, well, with maybe some information that can help you as we decide just how we are supposed to deal with the, the, the border, the states, the, the Constitution, and, and all of the other actors. So let's start. We're going to uh, House Resolution 863, uh, which is uh, impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, for high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, it consists of one article, which is probably a good thing. Let's let's keep it simple, stupid. So we're going to start with uh, Article 1, which reads, Rather than adhering to an oath he took to defend and secure our country and uphold the Constitution when he was sworn in as Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas has engaged in a pattern of conduct that is incompatible with the laws of the United States as follows. Now, before we dive in a little deeper, remember, Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution reads, the President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office office on impeachment for and conviction of treasury, treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, so we're, we're starting right there. Ms. Green is claiming that um, Mr. Mayorkas has committed high crimes and misdemeanors. And her primary, or I should say, her standard for this is that um, Mr. Mayorkas has engaged in a pattern of conduct that is incompatible with his oath of office and with the laws of the United States. Right, So he took an office to defend and secure our country and uphold the Constitution when he was sworn in, and that he's engaged in conduct that is incompatible with the laws of the United States. And then she's going to give examples. Now, again, we're dealing with a civil officer. right? That's, that's true. So the question is, she's not accusing him of treason or bribery. It's high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, is violating your oath of office a high crime? No, it's not a crime to violate your oath of office. Even though he's in office, a crime would be a high crime. This is not a crime. But it is a misdemeanor, at least in its original intent. See, when the, the Constitution was written, the term misdemeanor did not mean a lesser crime. It meant bad behavior that didn't rise to a crime. 
So uh, right now she's dealing only with her, her claim is that uh, he he um, he committed misdemeanors by failing to fulfill his oath, but that he also he says were incompatible with the laws. He's engaged in, in patterns that are that are not compatible. It's kind of an odd wording. It doesn't certainly claim a high crime. I mean, if your actions are in violation of the law and it's a criminal statute, doesn't that make it a crime? The question is, is it a high crime or not? Well, you go back to the original intent, high meaning you are in a high office. You take an oath. It would be a high crime um, to commit a, 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 a many of these crimes. But let's go on. So Mr. Green says, Article 2 of the Constitution requires that the executive branch, which today includes the Secretary of Homeland Security, ensure the laws passed by, the, by Congress and signed into law by the United States are faithfully executed. Well, again, here's one that is sort of. Because what the Constitution actually says is the president um, shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Because remember, all executive power is not vested in the executive branch. It's vested in the president. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States. So it's ultimately the pre all the powers vested in the president. Now, obviously, he can't do all the work, which is why we have an executive branch. But it, the power is vested in him, not in the executive branch. So... She's not quite got it right there. Furthermore, the point that laws that are passed by Congress and signed into the laws by the president are faithfully executed. Um, the Constitution says nothing about that. He says the laws of the United States. Now, passing a law through Congress, having it signed by the president, is the, yes, that's the process of making laws in the United States, but in order for a law of the United States to be considered the supreme law of the land, to be exercised, it must also be constitutional. So if Congress passes an unconstitutional law, say, oh, I don't know, creating a, a Department of Education, and a president signs that law, but that law is unconstitutional, does that mean the president still has to exercise the, or, or execute the law, even though it's a violation of the Supreme Law of the land? No. And we're going to get into that later, because that becomes very interesting as we get deeper into to the Texas issue we're dealing with. Uh, next, the uh, the resolution states the Secure Fence Act of 2006, Public Law 109-367, requires that the Secretary of Homeland Security maintain operational control over the entire international and maritime borders of the United States. Again, not exactly true. You see, if you look at the the um, uh, the Secure Fence Act of 2006, uh, Section Two reads. Uh, not later than 18 months after the date of enactment of this act, the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary de de determines necessary and appropriate to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire land and maritime borders of the United States. And then they list including the following. Right. So he's only required to do, to take the actions he deems necessary. Now, he's also required, uh, not later than a year after the enactment and every year thereafter, to submit to Congress a report on the progress of achieving and maintaining that border. But it doesn't say he's got to secure the border. He has to take actions that he deems necessary. So that one fails. Uh, let's see. Next, 
in his willful admittance uh, of border crossers, terrorists, human traffickers, drugs, and other contraband, Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas has failed to maintain operational control of the border, thereby violating the Secure, the Secure Fence Act of 2006. I've just shown that to not be true. He merely has to do what he determines necessary. If he doesn't determine it to be necessary, the Secure Fence Act doesn't require him to do it. Another example of Congress uh, in their either laziness or rush to absolve themselves of responsibility, placing the, um, the, the lawmaking process in the hands of the executive and then making bad law. Right? The, 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 the Secure Defense Act is making bad law because um, it says, listen, Secretary, you do whatever you think is necessary. They basically just handed over the details of this process to the Secretary. So unless she can show that that the secretary said, yep, we should do this, and then didn't do that, it's not a violation of the Secure Fence Act of 2006. It's why, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, go to the original sources. Look at the details. Because if all you did was read this, you would assume that Mr. Mayorkas was in violation of the Secure Fence Act, and I just showed you that he's not. And it only took me about, oh, 30 seconds to figure that out. Okay, next, uh, the resolution says, the guarantee clause set forth in Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution dictates, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Okay, here we have one that might, well, it might hold water. The question is, is it Mr. Mayorkas's responsibility? See, it doesn't say, you know, again, Article 4, Section 4, um, she actually quotes it in the, uh, 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 in, in the, the resolution verbatim. I like that very much. Thank you. And it points out, it says, it doesn't say that um, the secretary shall uh, uh, guarantee to the state uh, or protect the states from invasion. It says the United States shall, shall protect the states from each each state of, of from invasion. Now here we've got a couple of problems, right? Is this the problem of um, where did that did that that guarantee break down? Where did that protection break down? Did the protection break down at um, the the con congressional level? Did Congress fail to pass laws that would allow the executive to? Uh, protect the states from against invasion. I don't think so. You may not like some of the rules, but they, 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 they. I don't think you could say that um, the, the laws may be better, but the scale of the invasion of, of the so-called invasion is is certainly well beyond what Congress has, has. Now the question is, did Mr. Mayorkas do this all on his own? Remember, Mr. Mayorkas doesn't hold the, the executive power. He exercises power delegated from the president of the United States. It is the president's responsibility to execute the laws because the executive power is vested in the president. Meaning if there's anyone in the United States that is responsible for not protecting uh, the states from said invasion, it's President Biden, not Mr. Mayorkas. Mr. Mayorkas is a tool. He's, he's, a, he's an accessory to the crime, right? He's, he's, not, uh, um, uh, he's, he's not the person committing the crime. He, well, he's the accessory. 
So I'm not saying it doesn't warrant impeachment for him, but this is you know, what, what you see about cop shows all the time, right? You're not worried about the little fish. You want the big fish. You don't go for the street drug dealer. You find their supplier and their distributor. You want the big guys. This is going after the little fish in this case, uh, or at least the mid-tier fish. But we keep coming back to that word invasion. And I come back to that word for, to me, a very important reason. See, invasion has a specific legal meaning. There is a legal definition for the term invasion. Now, I know a lot of people, they've called the uh, the illegal crossings an invasion. They've, um, they, they've, state governors have declared it. A lot of people have said it. But the legal definition, according to the Free Legal Dictionary, an invasion is the entry of a country by a public enemy making war. So it's not somebody that somebody enters the country. It must be a public enemy. What is a public enemy? Well, again, according to the Free Legal Dictionary, a public enemy is uh, this word used in the singular number designates a nation at war with the United States and includes every member of such nation. To make a public enemy, the government of the foreign country must be at war with the United States. For a mob, how numerous soever it may be, robbers, whoever they may be, are never considered a public enemy. So according to the legal definition, this is not a, a, an invasion because there is no public enemy. There is no country at war with the United States. So that's not a public enemy. So they're not, you don't have a public enemy uh, invading or, or, or entering the country. Now, again, from a, a colloquial standpoint, yes, it, you could think of this as an invasion. But again, we're dealing with details. The legal standpoint, it's hard to call this an invasion because it doesn't meet the legal definition of it. However, it does meet the colloquial definition, but this is supposed to be a member of the U.S. House. We don't uh, impeach people for violating a colloquialism. Uh, the resolution goes on to say the guarantee... Clause clearly dictates that the federal government has a constitutional duty and obligation to protect each of the states from invasion. I've already pointed out that legally this is not an invasion. It goes on, as the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, has violated his oath to uphold the constitutional duty by allowing the invasion of approximately 10 million illegals across our borders. The ongoing invasion at our southern border is a direct national security threat against the states and against the citizens therein. Secretary Mayorkas has willfully abandoned his duty to secure the border and protect states against invasion, thereby violating Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. But as I've already pointed out, legally, this is not what's happening in the southern border is not an invasion. What you have is is mass lawlessness, but it doesn't meet the legal definition of invasion. Now, Ms. Green goes on to give some examples of the the lawlessness that's going on the border that she's claiming is an invasion. But before I get to that, I, I, I got to take a break. So hold on. We'll pick that up on the other side. Before I go, though, you know. I'd love it if you head over to the website constitutionstudy.com. It's all the work we're doing here at the Constitution Study. And guess what? I'm looking for people for questions to answer. There's an ask a question button. Click that, fill out the form. I love answering questions. Hey, you hit the checkbox. I'll answer them right here on the radio, whether it's a question about this article or if anything related to the Constitution, I will do my best to answer it. 
on the radio or via email, whichever you prefer, or both. But I think it's important that we we investigate deeper, that if you have questions, we try to find answers to those questions, because that, I think, is how we remain a free republic. Now, the other thing I run into is, you ever have a hard time falling asleep? Maybe you can fall asleep, but you can't stay asleep, and you wake up in the morning, and you're, you're grouchy, and you're, you're tired, and you're not working well. I found a tool. I found a way to help me fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so I can wake up refreshed. It's Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. The only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep, all those I listed. It comes in a travel-ready gel pack, so I usually have problems sleeping when I'm on the road. So I'll throw some of these in my bag before I hit the road. Sometimes at home, I'm just—I got a, a crazy day and I can't fall asleep. Voila, REM sleep is a great is a great solution. Now, because you are an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order of REM sleep or anything from Healthy Cell. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop for the details. Basically, you, you, you look at, you put your card together, there's a checkout code, out loud. Again, find the details at americaoutloud.shop, but be sure to use that code and be sure to follow those instructions. It lets Healthy Cell know that you listen to, an Amer- to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, they're going to give you 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today we're talking about the Mayorkas impeachment, or at least the, the hearings and the, the resolution. And before the, the last break, 
uh, we were talking about is it an invasion or not and some of the examples that that uh, Ms. Green has listed in the resolution. Before I go there, there's something else I want to talk about that, that ties in. So a, a group of um, former, F, I think it's mostly former FBI uh, uh, personnel, I think it's you know, high-level personnel, um, they've sent a letter to the Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader, Chairman of the uh, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and, and another chairman, another chairman, warning about what's going on. Uh, in this letter, they say, the threat we call out today is new and unfamiliar. In its modern history, the U.S. has never suffered an invasion of the homeland, and yet one is unfolding now. So I, 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 you know, I look at this, well, do we have a, 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 an army? Do we have a, a country coming after us? But here's where I want you to think a little differently, right? That, and again, I, I'm sounding like I'm contradicting myself. I'm, I'm not so much trying to contradict myself as to understand the colloquial understanding of what's going on. The letter goes on that says, Military-aged men from across the globe, many from countries or regions not friendly to the United States, are landing in waves on our soil by the thousands, not by splashing ashore from a ship or parachuting from a plane, but rather by foot across a border that has an accurately advertised, uh, I'm sorry, accurately advertised around the world as largely unprotected with ready access granted. This is where I think, and this is the, the way I'm thinking of it is, closer to an invasion see if you've got military aged men it doesn't mean they're part of the military but it's increases the likelihood that maybe they are i mean I, I was a military aged man once and i was never in the military but again we're dealing with a lot of terrorist groups and other groups that don't form formal militaries they use this asymmetric warfare and we saw what happened in israel on october 7th Right? That was in, that was certainly an invasion in all the logical regions. That even though is Hezbollah an army, do they represent a country? There's a lot of those questions. So this is where I, I wanted to bring this up because as I look back at, um, at at the text from the articles of impeachment, the resolution, and this question of invasion. Um, I guess I'm willing to, again, legally it's not an invasion, but morally is it an invasion? Uh, you know, we use this term, uh, I, I want to use this term not because of, of a lot of what um, Ms. Green lists in the in the articles, but because as these FBI uh, personnel note, we're dealing with a lot of men that are potentially, if not actually in a military, formal military, they would be considered part of, say, a militia that has that could easily invade this country. So I guess I'm 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 a little bit on the horns of a dilemma. Because on the one hand I know legally this is not an invasion. But then maybe it's closer to an invasion than a lot of us thought. Not because of the things that um Ms. Green stated, but because of what the FBI stated. For example, going back to the resolution, Ms. Green talks about um you know her example of the invasion says, to it, since Mayorkas has headed the Department of Homeland Security, there have been approximately 10 million illegal border crosses who invaded our country at our border. These have broken down into 8 million encounters and approximately 1.8 million known gotaways who have evaded U.S. authorities and roamed the interior of the United States. 
Okay, that doesn't necessarily make an invasion. She goes, 280 people on the terrorist watch list caught while attempting uh, to cross the border between ports of entry. Well, okay, if they got caught, then they're not part of the invasion. They were made an attempted invasion, the way you're using this term. She goes, approximately 400,000 unaccompanied illegal children encountered at the southern border. How's that an invasion? At least 1,424 deaths of illegal at the, illegals at the southern border. How's that an invasion? Approximately 73,000 special interest aliens arrested on our border, which are aliens from nations that promote terrorist activity, harbor terrorists, or, pose a, or poses a threat to the United States. This is the number arrested at the border, not counting however many of the 1.8 million known gotaways are special interest aliens. Again, if they were caught, then they then the invasion didn't happen. And in those instances, well, if the DHS was doing their job, they 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 did that. The question is, you don't know what you don't know. How many of the 1.8 million known gotaways are from these special interest countries, and how many unknown gotaways are there that could also be included? Uh, she lists some of the examples of these are people who have been um, caught. There's approximately 659 special interest aliens from Iran, approximately 6,386 special interest aliens from Afghanistan, approximately 538 special interest aliens from Syria, approximately 3,153 special interest aliens from Egypt, approximately 12,624 special interest uh, aliens from Uzbekistan, uh, 30,830 from Turkey, 1,613 from Pakistan, 164 from Lebanon, 185 from Jordan, 123 from Iraq, and 15,594 from uh, Mauritania. Now, again, those are impressive numbers, but those are the ones who have been caught. They're the ones that did not quote-unquote, invade our country. So uh, this to me is, is, is uh, we're getting back to, the, this, is where, this is where some of the argument starts falling apart. I, again, I like the way the, the uh, FBI uh, letter puts it and saying, hey, wait a second, I should have former FBI directors and whatnot. Um, you, have, you have military-aged men coming, several of them from countries that are well, we'll call them at least antagonistic to the United States. Um, Iran. Iran is certainly up there. Afghanistan, you can certainly put up there. Um, Syria, maybe Egypt. You see the, You see where her argument starts to fall apart? She goes on saying, fiscal year 2021, Customs and Border Patrol, CBP, seized approximately 11,200 pounds of fentanyl. I thought she was talking about invasions. I guess she's gotten off the invasions part, although it 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 it's not. I don't know the way she re, that she writes it. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But okay, in, in, smuggling is not an invasion. But again, everyone's wound up on fentanyl. Oh my God, there's fentanyl. Oh my God, this is an example possibly of um, the, the the secretary failing to enforce the laws. The question, was it something he was, was it an active process? Was it, we tried, but we failed? Or was it, we we tried, we don't know. Uh, goes on. The Constitution also requires Secretary of Homeland Security to observe the Immigration and Nationalities Act. 
this law requires Homeland Security to detain inadmissible aliens arriving in the United States or illegal aliens presently in the United States. Now, all right, let's stop there for a second uh, because I took a quick look at this. Eight, it's 8 U.S.C. 1101 um, and it's at which is in following. And you know what the interesting thing is? I didn't actually find language that it was the responsibility of the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security to actually detain inadmissible aliens or aliens presently in the United States. A lot of it actually falls on the Attorney General, um, and and it, it it's inferred um, from that. But then I didn't read the whole law, so I'm I'm a little dubious on her her um, statement here, simply because. Rather than pointing out out of this huge section of law, this huge chapter of the law, she doesn't point to the actual section that says here's where it says that the Department of Home, that the Secretary of Homeland Security has to do this. Um, that makes me, I'm not sure I, I trust it. Shall we say? Uh, let's see. It goes on. Instead, the Department of Homeland Security under Secretary Mayorkas has practiced catch and release policies, whereby illegals are detained but then released without any mechanism to ensure they show up in uh, for court proceedings. Again, this would be a lot better, a lot stronger, if instead of pointing to a general whole, a whole chapter of the law, they pointed. She pointed to the specific section that said, "By the way, the the Department of Homeland Security, the Secretary of the Department, is responsible for detaining people at the border." It would be nice, um, but she didn't. Uh, it goes on by de- by terminating contracts for the border wall construction, ending the migration pro- uh, protection protocol, or, or otherwise known as remain in Mexico unlawfully granting categorical parole and being complicit in the ending of, Ford, of Ch- Title 42, Mayorkas has made it easier for illegal people and drugs to enter the United States, endangering American citizens, and has made it harder for CBP to expel such threats. Um, excuse me, but I don't think it was Mayorkas that actually made the decision to stop the Remain in Mexico policy. Or, 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 you know, or, or to parole, maybe... Was it Mayorkas or was it Biden that that did that? But I'm sure it was Biden that ended Title 42. It, it was Biden that that stopped remaining in Mexico. Why are you blaming um, Mr. Mayorkas? She then goes on to say, Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas and his inability to enforce the law has engaged in a pattern of conduct that is incompatible with his duties as a civil officer of the United States. As a whole, I would say that th- there's that that language is okay, but I don't think she's supported it very well already. Uh, she goes on, Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas, in his failure to uphold the oath he took, has, by his actions, lost the trust of the citizens of the United States to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. Uh, losing trust is not a, a reason for impeachment. Um, a, a, a saying maybe, you know, if you say that uh, he's he's... He's uh, offered a pattern of conduct that is incompatible with his duties, may be a misdemeanor. But simply the fact that the people have lost trust in him doesn't, is not an impeachable offense. And uh, um, uh, he, she goes, wherefore, you know, now we can impeach him. Right? The, wherefore, Alejandro Nicholas Borges thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification hold any, uh, to enjoy any office of honor trust, or profit under the United States. Again, language from the impeachment clause. So, 
Again, it's another article of impeachment from Representative Green. I think constitutionally it is dubious. I'm not saying there aren't reasons to impeach um, uh, Secretary Mayorkas. I'm saying what was offered in this resolution is weak at best. Weak at best. I mean, she misquotes the the, the Constitution uh, where it requires the executive branch to fulfill the oath, the, 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 to fulfill the, the execute the laws, not the president. Uh, she um, misquotes the Secure Fences Act. She makes a, a questionable reference to the uh, Immigration and Nationality Act. Um, she goes far and abroad away from these high crimes and misdemeanors. There's a lot there that um, brings into question. Now, again, this is being, they're marking up. The, the committee is talking about, is going to mark up. Maybe they will turn this into a better piece of legislation. I hope so. Because things are getting crazy. And one of the places they're getting crazy on the southern border is with the state of Texas. Now, but I've got a few minutes before the break. So let me introduce this and then we'll continue it on afterwards. But uh, if you listen, a lot of the reporting about the Supreme Court opinion, uh, I guess it was last week, uh, about the Texas, is being misrepresented. I, I mean, just plain, uh, I'll take this one. I got this one from the New American. And they start off with, in response to the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in favor of the Biden administration on Monday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is defying the decision and the Texas Military Department is recruiting volunteers to support their operations on the U.S.-Mexico border. Understand, the decision, not a ruling because courts don't rule there, the decision by the court did not say that uh, Texas could not defend its own border. The Supreme Court did not say that. It did not say that it could put up razor. It could not put up razor wire. It did not say that the Biden administration could do whatever it wanted. What could or just the Biden administration, the the, the executive board could uh, enter? Um, was it Shelby Park? All the Supreme Court said was this injunction preventing uh, the Department of Homeland Security from cutting down razor wire was vacated. That's it. All it said was that the, uh, the, the federal government could cut down razor wire. Now, that has nothing to do with um, uh, Texas. I should say it doesn't prevent Texas from defending its own border. It doesn't prevent the Texas from looking for volunteers to support their operations on the border. So these understanding what's going on at the border is extremely important and sadly um, reporting like this doesn't help. Neither does language like this from uh, Representative Joaquin Castro. He said, Governor Greg Abbott is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard now. Well, as I just pointed out, um, the the nothing that, that I've heard that Governor Abbott is doing it is in violation of the decision made by the Supreme Court. He, he's Governor Abbott's not using the National Guard, from what I've seen, to obstruct and create chaos. The only obstruction he's making is obstructing people from entering the country illegally through his borders, which should be a good thing. He's not creating the chaos. The chaos was created by the federal government's desire to ignore the law, uh, open the border, and spread uh, illegal aliens throughout the country. 
But the very fact that he says, oh, the, the, the Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling. There was no ruling. There was a decision to vacate a specific, one specific injunction about cutting down razor wire, and nothing that I've seen Abbott do is inhibit, is contrary to what the court said. But again, politics, rhetoric, they are all driving this to a fever pitch, which can have some very serious consequences. But I'm going to have to deal with that after the break. You know, before I go, though, um, you know, I get, I'm getting a lot of news from a lot of places. That's the way I work. One place I recommend you check out is AmericaOutloud.news. In fact, I recommend you stop there daily, like I do, to see what's going on. Get news and information from varying points of view. But knowledge like this isn't power until you put it into action. So it's time to do your part. Do something. Find maybe a story or an article that that explains something like you've never understood it before. Or, or, or maybe a podcast or video that really talks about something that, that is important to your life and share it. Share it with friends, share it with family, put it on social media. I don't care how big your following is. See, it's the act of sharing, the act of doing that spreads news, that turns that knowledge into action and helps to secure the blessings of liberty. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today we're talking about 
the Mayorkas impeachment. And actually, we're looking at some of the consequences, the fallout, and that's the uh, the the tension at the in, at the Texas border. Now, what's interesting is you know a, a lot of people are claiming that um, Governor Abbott is uh, contradicting, challenging uh, uh, the the federal opinion about. Um, uh, well, the opinion was about cutting razor wire, but what Abbott actually said was, "For these reasons, I have decided I have declared an invasion under Article One, Section Ten, Clause Three, to invoke the Texas Constitution's authority to defend and protect itself." Now, that particular clause reads, uh, "No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state." or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. See, a lot of people, myself included, I point to uh, Article 4, Clause or Section 4, which with the, um, the United States shall protect each of the states against invasion. And what uh, Mr. Abbott is saying, listen, under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, um, we are actually being invaded or it's so imminent that we cannot wait. Therefore, we'll stand up and and, and do our job. Um, again, we get to the question of, is it legally? I certainly would say morally you might call it an invasion. But he's defending his borders. And I don't um, uh, I don't begrudge him that. He has a, a duty as the um, as the governor of Texas to defend his citizens against an influx of people who are coming here illegally. And for everybody who complains, yeah, but, but the Fed said it's our job. Remember, Governor Abbott took an oath to defend the Constitution of the state of Texas and of the United States. And if, you know, he, he doesn't have to wait for the gov- the federal government to do what they're constitutionally authorized to do. If he's fulfilling the Constitution, if he's fulfilling his oath to the Constitution, then he is in the right just because the federal government says we don't want you to doesn't mean he doesn't have a responsibility. See, states are not subjects of the federal government. States are the creators of the federal government. It's the states that that um, first created the Constitution, then joined into the Union, that created the federal government, which gave it powers, which, by the way, do not include regulating immigration. They can regulate, they can set rules for naturalization, but not immigration they certainly can't tell a state that oh sorry you you have to be invaded they're supposed to protect them against invasion so we end up with this kabuki theater of you have the the uh, department of homeland security cutting down razor wire and the texas national guard building more razor wire um again the, the the court did not say texas you can't do this the court said really just said um, you've got no uh, no judicial authority to stop DHS from cutting razor wire. And, you know, didn't say anything about um, access to uh, Shelby Park or any other part of the border. Court said nothing about that. Court said nothing about allowing um, uh, border patrol to have access or to uh, detain people or to ship them out of an area controlled by the state of Texas. The court said no such thing. 
Now, if you remember back to uh, Joaquin Castro's uh, statement that uh, the Biden should nationalize the, the Texas National Guard. Well, kind of interesting here. So, again, under the Constitution, Congress is the one that sets forth the, um, uh, it provides for the calling forth of the militia, the National Guard, um, to execute the laws of the Union. Okay. Uh, of course, they're supposed to suppress insurrection and repel invasion, which is where this gets really interesting because you're talking about the president using the tools to call forth the militia to enforce the laws and not repel invasion, but to suppress those who are actually repelling the invasion. Again, using the, the moral definition, not the legal definition. So, w again, where does the president... Um, where does where's the president get the authority to uh, call forth the militia since it's the Texas militia that's enforcing the laws of the Union it's the Texas militia that's repelling invasion they're not this is not ladies and gentlemen this is not an insurrection this is not an attempt to overthrow the government this is an attempt to enforce the Constitution which created the government and you know Texas is is doing this I know a lot of people may not like it, may not like the, like the way it's, it's come about. But for the most part, we are in this mess because, not simply because Secretary Mayorkas has done what he's done, but because the President of the United States, the person, the only person with the executive authority of the United States, has failed, has been derelict in his duty to execute the laws, to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a... Um, certainly a, misde a misdemeanor. Bad behavior. You have a, a, a duty. You took an oath. You have abdicated that responsibility, but you've gone further than that. So you have participated. In, he has participated in, in high crimes. Well, how? Well, let's see. He um, uh, not only has he allowed people to enter the country illegally, not meaning he's an accessory to a crime. Not only has he uh, um, abused his authority to cover up the this uh, this crime, making him also an accessory. He has, through his agencies, transported illegal aliens throughout the country, which is a federal crime. It's a federal crime to knowingly transport a person here illegally to somewhere else within the country. He has committed high crimes. Why are we not seeing articles of impeachment for that? See, what we're dealing with is a lot of, um, we're dealing with a lot of, I don't want to call it misinformation. We're, people who are speaking without knowledge. This includes everything from saying that immigration is a federal responsibility, not con that the Constitution says it's federal, it does not. Uh, that the state has no authority to protect its own borders. The con the, it certainly is not true. There's a lot of people saying an awful lot. And again, even just saying that that uh, uh, the Supreme Court has ruled against Texas has done no such thing. All it said is, listen, this injunction against cutting razor wire, we vacated it. And they didn't say why, which I, I really would like to know. It's, I'm curious how they came to that situation. Now, in response to this, uh, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance has offered some legislation um, uh, 
basically, if I understand the legislation properly, it will um, prohibit federal uh, government employees from basically cutting, dismantling, removing, destroying uh, razor wire, concertina wire, any of these these wire products that are elected erected by a state government within 25 miles of the international border between the United States and Mexico. Right. Now, it's interesting because they said, well, there are a couple of exceptions. Um, if they can show that the state erected the wire with the intention of facilitating illegal immigration rather than deterring it, um, they can't. But it's basically saying, listen, they want to turn into, he wants to turn into law. You cannot destroy someone else's property because it's on the border. Right? And that's important to understand. Remember, the federal government doesn't own the border. If you look at the uh, Constitution, the federal government is only allowed to own Washington, D.C., forts, magazines, dockyards, and other needful buildings, things like that. That does not include the border of the United States. It's not their property. Therefore, they have no special right of access to it. And while a lot of people think I'm wrong, again, read the Constitution to find, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Now, while all of this focus has been going on at the southern border, we do have another border. The U.S.-Canada border, I think it's, it's the largest um, land border that is not contested in the world. Now, according to Border Patrol, they recorded over 3,800 encounters of migrants crossing the U.S.-Canada border illegally between October and December. Those are the last three months of the year. Now, there were a total of 3,154 encounters of illegal immigrants at the northern border during in, uh, in both fiscal years 21 and 22. Yet in just three months of, of the end of 23, they exceeded it by a decent margin. Now, again, according to Border Patrol, 1,600 of those 3,800 were actually Mexican nationals. You see, Mexican nationals... They don't need a visa to travel to Canada as long as they get electronic tra travel authorization uh, from Canada. They can fly there and then they're crossing the northern border. It makes you wonder, you know, just how crazy are things when our borders are both so porous and, and poorly guarded and open. Apparently they figured out if they can't get through the southern border, I guess they're going to try to get through the northern border. And one thing I don't hear a lot of people talk about, when we talk about illegal aliens, you know, the sanctuary cities and states are complaining about the cost of housing them. People complain about um, access to jobs and a lot of things. One thing we need to be concerned with is representation. See, under Section 2 of the 14th Amendment, representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, excluding Indians not taxed. So as people illegally appear here, are, are they persons? Well, yeah, they're persons. Does that mean they impact representation? And remember, the, a state's electoral college uh, presidential electors is determined by the number of seats they hold in Congress, both House and Senate. Which means, guess what? If you have a, a tremendous influx of illegal aliens, 
then the number of persons in your state goes up, which means you'd get a greater percentage of seats in Congress and have a greater number of presidential electors. Now, uh, Senator Haggerty introduced a bill that wants to ensure that only U.S. citizens are factored in to the count for congressional districts and the electoral, what he calls the Electoral College. Now, I have not seen the actual language of the legislation, but it should bring to light an important point, and that is, um, if you, if, remember when Trump, we had the census in 2020, and there was all the brouhaha about whether or not uh, only citizens should be counted, or whether a person's citizenship should be part of the, the, the census count, right? In other words, your name, where do you live, how many people live there, are they citizens? How many are citizens? And that became quite a, a, again, brouhaha in Congress. They called them all sorts of racists and all that. Well, that brings up an interesting question. If you are not a citizen, if you are not here legally, if you, first of all, if you're not a citizen, why should you have a say in our legislation? Legislate, you know, a, a say in legislation, representation in our legislative body is a, a, um, a privilege of citizenship. At least it was always understood that way. The question is: Are we change? Are they attempting to change this in order to influence the outcome of the elections? Now, again, this has just been submitted. We have to wait to see what's actually going to be in there. But um, it 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 is something to consider as we are looking at the uh, illegal migration, the the number of illegal aliens coming to this country. Um, is the impact going to be? more than simply, you know, jobs and welfare and schools and healthcare. Is it actually going to be changing the look of the United States? Now, I was asked the other day, in this case dealing with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, uh, what can we do? And I pointed to states that said, listen, if it's unconstitutional, if it's not a power delegated to the United States, then whatever act the federal government comes up with has no merit within our borders. Right, it's not. It doesn't. Isn't binding here. Um, we're not going to support it. We're not going to enforce it. We're not going to spend any money on it because it's unconstitutional. And I think we need to approach the immigration process the same way. If uh, we need to, st- we we got dependent on the federal government to handle immigration, and when they have utterly failed at it, we're like one. We're surprised, which we shouldn't be. But now we think it's strange for states to actually stand up and say, no, we're going to defend our border. The Rio Grande is the border of Texas. It also happens to be a, the border of the United States because Texas is one of the United States. So there's there's an important uh, an important part there. But I also think it's it's going to depend on the American people blowing through the rhetoric, finding out the facts and details and then making a decision on sound facts. I've shown you several times already how you have people making blatantly false statements, whether it's uh, Joaquin Castro about uh, what Texas is doing to Marjorie Taylor Greene um, misquoting the Constitution, misrepresenting what uh, uh, the the uh, Fence Act of 2006 says. You need to find out for yourself. 
it's almost like Ronald Reagan knew what he was talking about when he said, trust but verify. When you verify the details, two things happen, or at least should happen. One, you don't get caught up in the, the, the dissension and rhetoric based on, on the parties or the positions. You can cut through that. Hopefully, it also means you can make a better decision and and maybe support a better policy, not based in rhetoric or, or the spirit of revenge as part of party politics, but based on facts and data. And this little thing we used to know about called truth. Now, if you like that idea, that's what we try to do here at the Constitution Study, which is why I hope you'll come back every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen to the Constitution Study on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, all the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, but please subscribe to the show. Leave the episodes ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as with everything else, I ask, please share them. Share this information. Turn it, this knowledge into power and help share the blessings of liberty. 